Hello and welcome to the Morning Floss podcast. After a semi-long break in recording, um, I'm back with Anzac Rose. Uh, I've known Anzac Rose for a while. We went to primary together and we played against each other in basketball recently and we went to school together and now he's out of school but you can tell me a bit about um tell me about the last year the last year the last um, i don't know it kind of just been kicked back a lot more yeah yeah, yeah just kind of going wherever i want to go yeah. playing on the fly yeah and you're now in an apprenticeship yeah bro so do that quite a bit yeah that's all good um but one of the main one of the main things i want to focus on for today is that you're a referee yeah so how did you get into refereeing for basketball one or two um i don't know i kind of just went to basketball and on a wednesday night for intermediate and i was like oh yo can i ref and just call the outs and then um, they said, nah, you kind of got to call everything. So I was like, oh, yeah, that can't be that much harder. So I did that. And um, found out I could get paid for it. So I was like, yo, this is all going to come for someone like me who doesn't have to pay for anything at 12 years old. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's when petrol was like eighty, bro. So like everything was cheap. Yeah. Um, so, yo, fucking got into that. Oh, sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, did that, and then, like, five years later, still doing it, so. Yeah, and you you do to a pretty high level, like, um, especially for your age, like, you coach, <laughs> you coach national competitions, regional competitions. Yeah, well, I mean, high-ish, like, you go to a tournament, it's not that, big of a deal on like the referee scale right, of right. what there is but it's like it's, it's pretty cool though you know yeah, yeah. Like, you're still going away yeah. yeah you get to travel do you have any desire to go to hire like to ref NBL oh well honestly like maybe two years ago if you asked me that question I probably would have said yes but yeah. um, now probably not I'd set too much of effort too yeah. much of commitment and um, I know it's it's a lot deeper than what the general public thinks. So yeah, yeah. It's um, oh, but sure. too much of a mind fuck for me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's. I mean, I don't know what what's the training like to ha- to be an NBL ref. Do you know? Yeah, well, they make you do a beep test and um, <laughs> some some type of fitness test, and um. Well, I hope I hope this guy don't listen to it, but uh, I I know a guy who yeah. um who's who's an NBL ref yeah and um he's failed the fitness test three times so he wasn't eligible to referee the NBL games because he kept failing yeah but the other day I saw him refing a game so maybe he's back into it yeah maybe he's but got a uh, it, it's it, you have to be fit like you can't. Yeah. You have to beat the players down the court, you know, and they're pretty fast players. So. Yeah, yeah. I guess we can't do that. <laughs> um. Now, how often, as a ref, do you get positive comments? Oh, I'd say I'd say we get 
at least one from one every game but yeah. it, it'd be people just giving words of encouragement more than right. like positive feedback or comments you know yeah and then compare that with how often do, it, oh, yeah. do you get negative you know, negative, negative ones bro you get them every two minutes yeah so um oh so good how, how do you how do you deal with that because as a ref and as someone who's played basketball i've probably we're speaking before and i, I pride myself on not directing too many words uh negatively towards ref but i've you know probably said something here and there towards oh. how do you how do you deal with it well but first off like we all do it if we're, if we're a player yeah. we're all gonna do it like we we could try our hardest but we're gonna do it at some point because there's gonna be moments where you completely disagree or there's gonna be moments where the rest get it completely wrong yeah and like it happens all the time so if it's just kind of nature human yeah. nature you know well, I, what, I, what was the question again? Sorry, I was just how do you deal with abuse? Oh, how do I deal with it? Um, I know you kind of put up with it because yeah, everyone does it so much. Right, right. So, uh, there's sometimes where it gets bad. There's some ways to on court, I guess, safeguard the ref. Like, obviously, if it gets really, really bad, you can take a someone up or eject someone. So yeah, there's ways yeah. To you, you can do that for the players, bro, but. The worst is the crowds. Yeah. Because the crowds, they do do it. No matter how small, there's always one person there, especially in Palmy. That's always keen for a a bit of a verbal yelling contest or a bit of commentary. Yeah. So just, yeah, you kind of look at them, try try to step them out, but like not actually step them out. You know what I mean? I know, true. No, I think think spectators have like a most spectators don't have a really good understanding of a ref and what a ref does and what goes into being a ref. And so I think there's just like, it's so easy for them to just be like, oh, come on, ref, or, or you know, something something as simple as that. Yeah. Or is like, I don't know, there's, there's this level of like, it's so easy to see that you think a ref has gotten something wrong. And it's really funny... Um, and spending a lot of time uh, watching basketball, like, the funniest thing is when someone blatantly fouls someone and then they chuck their hands up with, like, you know, like, the blank, uh, the what expression on their face. Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. did I do? What did yeah, I do? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we accept that players can make mistakes. Mm. Players often make mistakes. But I feel like um, for refs, like, you know, you expect a ref to be... Or most people expect the ref to be hundred percent, you know. Yeah, bro. Exactly. It's it's a it's that's why it's so such a rough gig, you know. Like yeah. Um, I I've like to say to the players in the past, like if they ever get mad at me for missing a call, I just say, "Oh, you you haven't made all your shots tonight, so <laughs> you can leave me alone." Yeah. I, I've said that, but like, in more of a political way. Yeah. Oh, what is that the right word? Yeah, no, that's the right word. I mean. Like, as a ref, obviously, you can acknowledge that, like, you miss calls. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And then, I mean, it'll sound bad to say this, but uh, there's times where I just don't call a foul because I don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean... Not so much at a higher level, but definitely at home. 
you said something to me a while ago because I often talk to you about like um, reffing calls. Like I'll yeah. send you stuff on Instagram and be like, what did you think of this call? And um, we're talking about, I think it was a foul. And the way you call something, and this is probably like simple as to you, but you'd only call something if it disadvantages the player. Well, my, that's how I did it for years. That's how I like, like came up learning it, how, how to play it. Yeah. How to ref it. But like the last two years, I've told us to change that. And so what what we're trying to do now is um if, if there is contact, like you call it, you right. call it. But if it's minimal, like soft fouls, then um well, not necessarily soft, but yeah. like you know what I mean. Um, if it doesn't ruin the rhythm, effect, or oh, speed and emotion or some shit right something something like that yeah um then you just leave it and let them play because they can then they're obviously able to play through it though. yeah but if something like that was to affect it that's when you call it more right. likely i see what you mean yeah because well, we've all been in the games where it's like you feel like the ref is constantly just blowing their whistle yeah and those games are shit and i feel like um, there has to be like this, you know. You you got to be able to let the game play. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, the big problem is, bro, that um, nowadays as people have been getting dumber, um, people that we're taught in a way where they over-explain it. Right. So I know it might just be me personally who, when they over-explain it like that, then I tend to overthink it. Yeah, yeah. So it makes it harder for me to call a foul, uh, you know. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing to look at. Um, another thing is, like, throughout a game, there needs to be, you know, consistency in calls. Yeah. So, do you get to a point as a referee um, where you say, okay, this is how I'm going to call the game? Like, I'm going to call it, like... If you start off calling a few fouls, do you just kind of roll with that and call? So, um, it, before every game, we're supposed to come, uh, come together, have like a mean, mean corridor at the start, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, we go, hey, foul selection, what are we going to look for? How are we going to, like, discourage it or, like, yeah, yeah. avoid it in a way? And, um, what are we going to call? Yeah. Because, like, say, say they had a hands foul down. What do we call a push? Like, are they pushing them? It's their... Well, this is how it used to be. Yeah. Like, are they pushing them? Is their hands just chilling there? Is it putting them at any disadvantage? That's what it used to be, right? Yeah. But, um... Yeah. I think in terms of, like, referees, I think they're kind from my experience lately, I think there needs to be a bit of a culture change. Oh, definitely. I I think in, um, in New Zealand as a whole, yes, compared to the rest of the world, yeah. the, the higher up rest especially need to. But um, if we're talking about locally, in, in Palmy basketball culture needs to be changed in general. Oh, right? yeah, for sure. So once that changes, everything else will change with it. Yeah, well, I think there's a few factors that um, kind of impact 
basketball and basketball culture, I think one of the biggest things is like, uh, well, it's kind of social media. So I've been, okay. I've been getting roped into a decent amount of refing, um, from another problem, which is that basketball one or two just has no refs, oh, or yeah. like barely any refs. Or so like, yesterday I was coaching a Kankot game and the clock started, you know, because all of them on the same clock and we just didn't have a referee. So I ran over to Willie. Willie's like. Oh, yeah, now we don't even refreeze. And um, I didn't have my whistle on me. And then someone just gave me a whistle and I rest the game. And because I was injured, I just stood at halfway and then... Well, losing. Turned either way. But um, during that game, <laughs> it's because I had to coach the team that I was supposed... To, I had to ref the team that I was supposed to be coaching. Yeah. And when, when I got calls wrong or if I didn't call, you know, what they wanted me to call... It was like, they were, they were yelling at me, and my own team was yelling at me, and, like, um, people were just getting mad at me for not making calls, which is, like, real funny. Um, but to reel it in, one of the things was I had... There's this player uh, that I've been coaching and refing who keeps on wanting to take a charge, and he's oh, clearly yeah. seen it somewhere online, someone take a charge, and um, I've coached him a few times where he hasn't got the call and then I refed him and he yeah. tried to take his charge and I didn't call it yeah. and um, it's like I feel like people see things and they're like okay I need to do this and this is how the ref should act but it's not always how the ref is going to act yeah are you talking about they see these things on social media yeah yeah okay um, yeah well I think when when kids do see that type of stuff they think, oh yeah, this is how you're supposed to play basketball, you know. Especially yeah. now that every kid has a has a phone, so um, when they play their games, they try to do these because like they think, oh yeah, this will make me look good and make me stand out because these are little kids, you know, they want to stand out, and um, so they do them and their reaction is <coughs> if it doesn't work, then they. Do what the players do when it doesn't work online as well, and that's like yell at the ref. Yeah. So it all stems down. I think basketball in general needs a, a huge culture shock all around the world. But yeah. yeah, there's just like just way too much like negative emotion in basketball. Mm. I think just in general, um, teammates wise. Uh, uh, towards ref, towards I don't know coaches. If someone doesn't do something that you want them to do, most likely kids are gonna go okay. Like they can't take, uh, they can't take being told no or someone doing something that they don't like that well, and they're just like, I don't know, either get mad, frustrated, you know, if it's like their coach or something, they'll start to like be petty. Yeah, 100%, bro. Like, um, these kids, they, they think they're the top NBA players at the age of 12. You know, like, everyone wants to be there, but, like, you can't always get it. But, yeah, that kind of, I think, you said people think they're top NBA players yeah. at year 12. Yeah. I think that starts at, like, like... 12, I said 12. Oh, 12, yeah. Like, year 7, year 8. Like, they feel like the refs should make every call and they should do every call right. Exactly. And that's the thing, like, I think, that people expect child refs to do things right and child refs to make the calls right. And so coaching year three fours, um, it's funny because I didn't actually want 
the refs to make the calls because mm. my year three fours can't dribble they travel every single yeah, time yeah. and we had a ref that called everything and the game was shit exactly and then we've had games where the refs call like you know kids are walking around all over the place but i feel like year five six it starts to ramp up a bit and the you know they actually want you to make the calls and when you get to the intermediate level then refs are like you got to make every call and then going from the to high school level it's like now you have to be perfect Mm. you have to be a perfect ref um where do you think so the perception of refs and how we treat refs who who do we as players and as young people look up to and where do we get our treatment of refs from and how we treat refs um but i just think it comes down to the fact that it's people when they don't get as people when they don't get (coughs) what they want if if it's easier to yell at someone that doesn't affect you then they will they do it all the time yeah i mean there's no there's no like repercussions for like most of the time for just being like what was that cool ref yeah those ones like, there's nothing that protects us from those, you know? Mm. Like, which is all good, but it builds up our skin a bit. And, like, we go, oh, fuck off. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. only if we're brave. Can't really do that too much. All right, we're going to go have a quick break, and we'll be right back soon. Sounds good. Um, What do you... How do you think that coaches kind of impact or change or like how do how do coaches change the way we um behave around refs and uh, act towards refs well um i think that there's coaches where they yell at the ref so um their players yell at the ref you know yeah but then there's also coaches where they yell at the ref and they tell their players oh i'm the only one allowed to yell at the ref yeah yeah you know type of thing so when it's like that, that's usually when the best games are happening. What when when the players aren't talking? It's just a... yeah, just the coach because yeah. like with so many people yelling at me, bro, it's hard to give a good explanation. Yeah, every time. So when so when I just talk to the coach, I can go, oh right, yo, I let's explain everything to this guy and explain it as good as I can. Yeah, and so I don't have to fuck around with these other little kids, you know, that I don't care about. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, most you know, coaches are obviously, on average, a lot more mature than players. Yeah, def- most definitely, most definitely. But um, and nowadays, yeah, it all depends on how you present yourself. Yeah, and then that depends how like you get my answer. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. So uh, I hope the answers. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. So. If you have, like, a coach who's just, you know, kind of, like, not being, not trying to have, like, a proper conversation, yeah, yeah. you're not going to give them the answers that they yeah. want. But uh, we try to keep them short and, um, like, like in heaps of information, but real quick. So, um, sometimes I fuck up my words. Yeah. And yeah. Then, um, that's when I stay and have a long conversation because then they start asking more questions. Yeah. Because they know I can't speak, so they're just trying to, like... It's mind games like that, bro. Do yeah. you get what I mean? Like, they try to talk more, make me talk more, so I fuck up and sound bad. Yeah. 
What's it? What's it like? Like refing? Because uh, if you if you ref well at a tournament, you ref the finals or yeah, it's something, it's something like that, bro. So um, if if I went to say that qualifying tournament, I saw you. Oh, I did on the weekend. Yeah. Um, like ones like that. It's if you ref the games good, yeah, you'll do a final. Yeah. And um, that's how they do it at under thirteen tournaments as well. Uh, but. Oh, and probably I'd say under 15s as well. Yeah. But once you get higher, it's just all about um, who you know and how high you've already gone. Right, right, right. So you don't generally get a like some a guy like me wouldn't get a final at like under 17 this tournament. Right. And higher, I'd definitely probably get one at an under 15 tournament. Yeah. But um, yeah, not any, not any higher. What what are what are some of the favorite games you've ref? Like, are there any memories that come to mind of like a game, for whatever reason? Well, one game I always remember is um the first game I refed where there was a fight, <laughs> and um yeah. that was Palmy Boys Prem A oh, Prem B versus Monokura. Yeah, and um yeah there was there was a scrap on the court and. It was one on one for a bit, and then you see Palmy boys getting extra few punches in there, <laughs> and then eventually after they see that a whole one who could have been just empties, yeah, and runs onto the court because they're like, "Yo, I gotta go save my boy," you know. Yeah, yeah. So they go try throw some hands, and I'm just chilling there with my whistle, just blowing it as loud as I can, because <laughs> I like, but I'm like, what, five foot ten? Yeah, I can. 60 k- kgs on a good day <laughs> but I'd get rolled <laughs> were, you, were you riffing with another riff on that game? Um, yes I was I was riffing with Shannon yeah she was um, like just brand new to basketball oh right I'm pretty sure I was with her I'm not 100% but yeah, I'm yeah. sure but she was pretty new to riffing then so I was like kind <laughs> of like a lone soldier right right she was just there just cause <laughs> Have have you riffed any games, like what what's riffing like the really competitive games like, like the close games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right, it's honestly pretty good, eh? Because you, I don't know, it might just be me as a player. Yeah. Because um, I know what they're playing like, you know, when it's a close game and how they're feeling. Yeah. And um, I kind of feel the intensity with them. Right, right. As I riff. That might sound real cringe, but like, no, if you no. feel if you feel you feel the intensity of the game, definitely, especially because as a ref, you're trying to beat the players to the baseline, right? Yeah. So you can see everything, but um, when when you're doing that, you're keeping up with them, so you're obviously feeling the same type of intensity as what they are. Yeah, yeah. And so it feels pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean. Uh, and with that, is there like, as you said, the intensity is there like kind of like you feel like pressure, you know, like if it's a, a 20 point blowout, you're not going to ref as intense or like you feel more pressure to ref better in a closer game. Yeah, well, when it is a closer game, you learn to not, like, you obviously care. Yeah. But if you make a call, you stay with it and then you. I generally tend to forget it like two plays later. Right, right. Type of thing because that's oh, how we get over it, you know. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, but in t- when it's a like, 20 point game, we try to still riff our best, but we might not care about being invested in the game as yeah. much, you know? Yeah. Um, so last night you riffed a game that I was watching where there was a, a dunk. That was pretty oh, cool. Yeah. You had a good good view for that. Um, have you. Do you have any other notable, like, things that you've seen where it's been like. <laughs> well, um, oh yeah, because I ref the junior showcase, right? Yeah. Um, there were some pretty cool dunks in there, but I was, I'd say, the most recent one would be um this one in the week, and there's this guy from Hawks Bay. Yeah. And it was Hawks Bay playing Gisborne, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, there was a tied up game, like a few seconds left on the clock. Bro bangs the corner three to win the game, and the winner of that game got through to nationals. Yeah. So whoever won that game went to nationals, and he hit it by getting a buzz beater. So I'd say that'd be the craziest. But that was a game before me, so I'm right. walking on. I'd say in terms of my own games, it'd be, um, oh yeah, do a showcase, bro. You just, oh, I got one. I got one. So. <laughs> It was an under-19 boys game at Junior Showcase. Right. Because um, because the games were, in the last three minutes, stopped the clock. Yeah. So we did that, and this one guy, I think his name was, um, I think he plays in Australia now, um, really? Ben Adamson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, oh, that might not be his name. No, it is. No, I know, I know Ben Adamson. Yeah, yeah. So, something like that. And um, he stole the ball and then... Oh, so it was... They were down by two. Yeah. Oh, down by one. And they got the ball on the inbound and they tried to push it up without losing the ball, obviously, because they got the ball... Oh, they're up by one. Yeah. So the opposing team. And then Ben Adamson's got on the ball. He pokes it away. Gets a steal. Runs down the court. And he's being followed on the hip the whole way. Yeah. And he dunks it for the win on the buzzer. Like, just before the buzzer. But, yeah. But, obviously, the buzzer's run on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um... He dunks it for the win, and it was like to go to the finals or something. It was a pretty crazy player. That's pretty shocked. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It'd be cool to be a part of something like that. Um, I think that's been a good, great conversation about refing. Yeah. Man. Um, now we'll go on to some some NBA talk because yeah. we're both are pretty invested. I, I yeah, think. I, I appreciate a good NBA conversation. Yeah, and and you're quite quite knowledgeable. Um. We'll start with the most recent, the finals, obviously. Mm. Keeping up. Who, who's who's who do you want to win and who do you think's gonna win? Um honestly I I want the I'm a bit undecided but I want the Warriors to win. I want Steph to get another ring. Yeah. Just because he's he's that guy. He yeah. just deserves another ring. I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will have another chance, maybe. For sure. Um but if they want it, I won't be mad. Yeah. Like, 
there's there's the the teams are so good where you can't hate yeah. both teams, you know. So you just want to see everyone succeed. Yeah. yeah if you can't, then oh well, you, you got it. You got it next time. Yeah, I mean, like for me, I've there's like players on both teams that I just really want to get a chip. Like I same with you, I want Steph to get a chip. I kind of want that whole team to get a chip. I feel like if the Warriors don't win now, then Jordan Paul might get like you know. Imagine, yeah, like you think of someone like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. Uh, if if he got a chip this year, he'd be an All Star starter. And he'd be a significant piece of why the Warriors won the finals. Yeah. And he'd have a ring. Gary Payton. Like that, yeah. That's such a cool story to come from G League to winning a ring. But then There's a few of them like that, which, which is real interesting. Oh, yeah, well, it's the Warriors. Oh, I think it, in both stuff. teams, bro. Um, but with the Celtics, like, I just... He's, he hasn't been playing amazing as of late, but I want Al Horford to win a ring. Because mm. I don't think he has. No, he definitely hasn't. But I think um, he should, but he's been playing two teats after game one to <laughs> do anything to deserve a ring right now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I was really hyped for him and how he was playing, and then it's like, oh, yeah, watching, watching game three, it's like, where are you? Where's that Al Horford that I know? Hard, like, where did he go? <laughs> yeah. Um... Uh, pushing it back a bit in the playoffs, what do you what do you think about the Dallas uh, Mavericks and the Suns series? Now, bit of backstory: you're a Suns and a Cavs fan. Ah, uh, yeah. So my my East team would be the Cavs. Yeah. And then my West team would be the Suns. But right. I right. prefer the Suns. Yeah. Yeah. And um. Yes. Yeah, so I thought that Mavs Suns, Suns series was. It was a pretty good series, bro. Yeah, like they yeah. they played some good games. It was pretty fun to watch. It was um interesting analyzing why players would do this and do that and like how pivotal 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 is that like, oh, fuck yeah, that's right. Yeah, Wouldn't um it be later? You know, like the yeah. effect that it has on the game and on the series is is crazy. Sure. So, um. Yeah, no, that's that was that's a pretty cool series. Of, um, I'm a big fan of Luca, yeah. which I think everyone is. He's um, what? <laughs> um, and then there's a few other players on the um, Mavericks. Like I, I've been liking Jalen Brunson. Yeah. And then like Dorian Finney-Smith is just like a hustle dude. But then on the Suns, I've I've never been like a really really big fan of Devin Booker. Like I've yeah. I've always kind of like liked him because he's just like really smooth. Um, and then there's obviously CP. I quite like Mikael Bridges. Yeah, like just good player. And then um, DeAndre Adam. But I think that was like with every. I think the theme of every series this year has been match up and switch hunting yeah like with the Mavs it's like give the ball to Luca, get a switch until you get uh, probably DeAndre Ayton I mean yeah. I mean with, with the Sun series it's quite hard because I felt like all those um, all those defenders were quite versatile except for Chris Paul who was yeah. just smaller than him you know like if you're bigger and like still just as fast like you're gonna win that every time you know yeah so, I think they 
could have done better on defense, like trying to keep him away from it. Like you, you chuck, you chuck Chris in the corner, bro. You play zone if you have to. You switch everything. Yeah, you know, it just comes down to coaching, which I think was really interesting because honestly, their whole series was just a coaching battle. Yeah, because like all the players they'll knock down shots if they want, unless it's the Suns in Game Seven. <laughs> um, but the yeah, after that, it just comes to coaching battle, bro. Yeah, well, I think one of my favorite. Um, things about the playoffs is how valuable like um, switchable players are and some of the highlights like um, Maxi Cleaver yeah. ran a lot of big for um, Dallas and he got slandered because he couldn't hit a three yeah. which I think was unjust but he was you know you know rebounding but then when Chris Paul or Devin Booker switched on to him um, it was just like nothing or like not nothing but like he he did a really good job and then you take he that he did a really good job at guarding them on the ball yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. then you take that tour um up to the current series at the moment like with the Warriors um Draymond Kevon Looney's yeah. been really so uh, Draymond Kevon Looney Draymond's been pretty he, he is finals MVP <laughs> you hit it here first on the floss, Who? the morning floss. Draymond. No, cover. Come on, Looney. Cover. <laughs> um, and then on the Celtics, well, because I watched Game Three this morning. Yeah. Or this afternoon, and Al Horford was like just getting really picked on, um, and then when they subbed him out for Robert Williams, like Robert Williams was just doing like so much better. Yeah, the difference between the two is crazy. Eh? Like you, you get yeah. the experience of the playmaking. When it, Al's best when he's playmaking with his experience, and mm. then creating shots off of that as well for himself. Yeah, because um, but Robert's better as a defensive player, and um, he fits into the system when Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown want to dribble the ball because yeah. he can just set screens and roll and be a lob three. Yeah. You know? And he is such a lob threat. Like, oh, fuck yeah. you can just throw it up to him and also a putback threat. Like, yeah, yeah. Offensive rebounding wise, he's fucking amazing. So he's, he's just a solid guy. He's like, I'd see him as a, the next Rudy. Yeah. If Rudy got past the ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I honestly think Robert Williams is probably one of the best defensive bigs in the game and pretty valuable going forward as a switchable um, defender. And I think. Like, the Celtics is pretty much, in terms of switchability, they're, like, gold standard at the moment. I think that this is going to be a trend for teams to follow where, obviously, we saw it with the Rockets. Yeah. Where you have every player between 6'4 and 6'9. Um, you know, you can have shorter than that or taller than that if you have, like, exceptional, like, strong players or quick players if they're taller. Yeah, but I I think I think um having switchable players is key to today's game. So if you have switchable players, then it generally means on the offensive end you can be faster than them as mm. well. Because if yeah. you're fast enough to guard everyone and big enough, then you should be faster than them down the other end. Yeah, I think I I quite like how there's like been a big emphasis on defensive players. And how you can't just put, um, like, the Warriors haven't actually used their death line up that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
and that I guess it's just because the Celtics are like they're slightly bigger but you can't just put um, all offense out and expect that to beat defense yeah. like defense is actually really good like in that in that death lineup bro the only two defensive players that have really I mean you could say you could say Clay but he's he's yeah, not he's, the same after his injury you could say Steph but he's only good when he's on the ball once yeah. once you drive at the rim he, he's just like a, a road cone yeah and he's been getting picked on on the perimeter by yeah, bigger players exactly and um, you can say A Woods. I'll accept A Woods because yeah, he, yeah. he he's been he's been hustling out there on D. And then there's Draymond, who's smaller, but he's he'll he'll shove you around. He'll fucking pull your pants down if he wants to. <laughs> and he's he's just smart. Yeah. He's just like a different breed on defense. Like I, the Warriors can be really good on defense sometimes. And I think if you wanted to put like a, they've got so many. Sp- specialists that you can bring off the field. Well, not so many specialists, but like if you want to bring on Gary Payton. Yeah. Obviously. He guarded Jason Tatum a lot, I think game two. Not so much this game. Can't remember who he guarded. You know what was interesting? What was interesting? Draymond was guarding Jalen Brown. That yeah. was the matchup. And yeah. he was doing a pretty good job. See I don't mind that because Draymond Brown. I mean, not Draymond. <laughs> <laughs> Draymond Green. He um, he he likes to move with the guards, you know. Yeah. So um, he'll stay with them all he likes. Mm. Yeah, but I think one of the main like things with defensive specialists is all of them are. Usually they're not that great on offense. Like mm. Draymond, well, playmaking wise, Draymond is like really good and key to that team. But yeah. he's been, you know, giving up. Oh, he's, he actually shot a few threes, but I think he's like, he, you know, he can't fucking make one. Yeah, and then like you, you get Draymond right, but you get people like Lou Dort. Um, yeah, you'll get people like Fred Lakina. Mm. Solid defenders, but won't do shit on offense. Reggie Bullock. Yeah. So that's just from the playoffs, bro. Um, like, Cam Reddish. He's, yeah. he's been a solid defender, but he can't do much this year. Um, they're, they're still valuable because when they're on the court, you have to get a hand up. Like, yeah. you, you can't let them shoot, you know? Yeah. But you'll live with them if they make it. Yeah, and I think you can't really sag on them either. Like, I haven't seen many people sagging on Draymond or someone like Gary Payton. I actually saw Gary Payton, there's a few positions where he literally had, like, 10 feet of space, looked at the rim, and was like, nah, I'm not doing that. Which is smart in a way, because, you know, you've got Steph and Clay on the team. But uh, he's had a few corner threes, I think. And... But if you sag on them, then a lot of them are pretty good. Like Draymond, they're pretty good playmaking-wise, yeah. and they can just make a pass. Yeah, well, if if they do sag, bro, it's all about do do I think I can get this to a better shooter mm. and make a better play, make yeah. a better shot. And if, if, if you think you can make that shot, then take it. But if, if you can make a better play, I'd rather take the better play. Yeah, well, I mean, if you put, like, 
Draymond, unlike the Pistons, yeah, he'd probably be like second or first top scorer and like actually score a decent amount, um, mm. or more than he does. But if you see Draymond like a back screen going downhill, bro, <laughs> coming straight down the coming straight down the lane, bro, he, he he's he's at least averaging a kick in the nuts. <laughs> Um, one eat all because he's a donkey, <laughs> and no, and then one and then really one. tough poster. Yeah, like because no, not 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 so much a poster, but a tough, tough out of control shot. Yeah, or he does that little like where he runs down, his shoulders are really high, and he's like, and then he goes up for a dunk. <laughs> Just the stamping on audio. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other team is. <coughs> the other team that we mentioned uh, before is the Cavs now I quite like the Cavs this year and they're a pretty exciting team um, and I you know I'll put my chips on them for the future mm. potentially although there's a lot of good young teams but yeah, bro. W- what are your thoughts about the Cavs well I think, I think the Cavs are quite interesting because they do have a lot of young pieces they got a young centre now. They got two. Yeah. They've also got a decent pick, you know? Like, it's in the mid mid pick, or like 15th, somewhere around there, I think. Yeah. So, um, they're not too bad. And when they do that, they bring in more, more young guys, you know? And um, this, this year they played so well as a team. If they brought in another guard of, like, to help Colin Sexton yeah. our replacement Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio because Ricky Rubio was so good to that team this year yeah, right? yeah. like he was pretty much Colin that's Sexton that's right like start of the year eh? he yeah, was bro. like going off and yeah bro he was averaging like 35 a week injured? yeah he like tore his ACL or some shit yeah fuck it was pretty bad but after that they kind of just fell apart everyone got injured yeah and then come the playing game they just couldn't couldn't hold it there because yeah oh, we've got no guys left right like, you know yeah I I mean I think like we've seen in the past that first round picks or top five round picks like haven't been you know they've been pretty hit or miss like yeah. you can get like a uh, a Jason Tatum a Zion Williamson or you can get a Josh Jackson yeah Um, and I think that the Cavs at the moment they could probably do with another like crafty guard but I think the way that they're gonna run it like Darius Garland's gonna do a lot and they're gonna do a lot through the bigs like getting a good solid role player in that 15 you know around that range is gonna probably do a lot for them but I quite like Darius Garland I quite like um Evan Mobley yeah yeah, it's his name, like, you know, just freaking nature, wacky dude, but also just cool. And then Jarrett Allen's just like, I've always liked him, he's just solid. Yeah, he's good, he's good run protector, eh, bro? Weird, weird sense of fashion, though. Yeah, I I think he's quite quite the guy to save his money. He's like a Steve Jobs, eh? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, not, not oh, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, type of, type yeah. of guy. We just don't wear much. Yeah, hard out. I think, I reckon the Cavs should, um, they should try to draft a, a big wing. Yeah. At, at, at that whatever pick they have. 
they should in the draft they should try to pick up a, a big wing, especially a young one, or like maybe like a third year college vet, you know. Yeah. And still be the same timeline. Yeah. And um, all these college guys. Oh, I mean, and they could have their um, back back quarters, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, right? Yeah. And then have their new young guy as a big wing, and then even Mobley, Jared Allen. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, I mean, like, I feel like Evan Mobley can, could be pretty switchable. Yeah, like, of course. in years to come, he's just, like, long and pretty nimble. Jarrett Allen, I don't know so much. Jarrett Allen is really more of a stay at the five, I'll protect the paint type of guy. Yeah. But Evan Mobley, he'll, he'll, he'll help, he'll help out on the switches, you know. Mm. Um, but the, sweet. I love Colin Sexton because uh, back when he was in high school, there was uh, he had heaps of mixtapes and heaps of like not behind the scenes footage but like full games and game highlights on this page called or a YouTube channel called Hoop Diamonds. Yeah. And so I really liked him. I watched like heaps of these um, him working out, but he's just you know had a stroke of bad luck in the um, in the NBA and he was. He was the most blocked player, like, a year ago or something. Oh, really? Yeah, and so, uh, I don't know about him and Darius Garland. I think Darius Garland, obviously, all-star is a guard to stay. But I think running them two is just... I mean, I, I'd say they, they, they do try to compare it to the Damon CJ backcourt. Yeah. Just purely based on their size don't know how good they're going to be yeah you know? but I think Colin Sexton is more of a pure scorer when he first came to the Cavs he was like tried to make be made as a more of a playmaker but he just couldn't be because he's more of a scorer yeah. but Darius Garland discovered that he oh yo, he likes passing the ball yeah like so I'll be the playmaker you know yeah uh, I think it's interesting to see because uh, how tall is Darius Garland I think that's six two, six one. How tall was Colin Sexton? Six two. Yeah, so like Colin Sexton's always been like seen as a bit of a dog. Do you how how good's he been as a defender, do you know? I mean, he's 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 a guy that he'll give his all but his his all's not always his best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, you know, going forward with this with what we've seen in the playoffs. If you have two six foot two guards, and then you're playing against a Jason Tatum or a Jalen Brown or a Luka Doncic, like yeah, that's a switch and then a body. Yeah, see if if you if you do that, bro, and you have two two small guards, you're gonna have to play defense. Yeah, like because especially if you've got like a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, bro, because. Um, you can say you do have a big, big wing. You know they can play some real good defense. Yeah. He's gonna go on the bigger guy like Jason Tatum, right? Yeah. Cause that that that's how people starting to lean towards people like Jason Tatum being scorers. And um, when when you chuck the big guy on him, it leaves your two little guys to shit at defense, and everyone else supposed to make up for. Yeah. Left exposed because they have to guard say fucking Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, like, you can only hide so many players on defense. Like exactly. Like, you were talking about it before, like, Chuck 
Chris Paul in the corner and play zone yeah. and not let him get put on Luka Doncic. But you can't have multiple players like that. And players, not so much like a Steph Curry because he's been semi-alright on defense, but players can get played off, off the game. Yeah. Like you've seen bigs getting less minutes. Like Dwight yeah. Powell didn't have a big impact on that. Yeah, and series. And for example, Stephen Adams when he was on on the Grizzlies, they played Joan Jackson at the five a lot more. I think. Yeah, and um, so I don't know. I think traditional big men are getting phased out by minutes when it comes when it comes to big minutes. For sure. Um, because they can't shoot, because they can't switch, because yeah. Um, if you can't do that, then you're only there to get rebounds and protect the rim, you know? Yeah, like, we saw um, Joel Embiid, who's, you know, an amazing talent, but can you build around having a big as your best player or having a seven-footer who isn't nimble enough to guard a guard? Yeah. You know, they have to be... They have to be, like, really, really good. And we've seen this with... um, Nikola Jokic, who over a, over a season, like, the Nuggets have been notoriously, like, one of the better teams. Yeah. But when you get down to a seven-game playoff series where a team's going to find your weakness and just pound at that weakness, like, you're just going to get exposed. Yeah, see, as for someone like Nikola Jokic, I, um, I think it can't, the reason he was so good was because... He was unpredictable, right? Yeah. Like, you didn't know if he was going to pass it, if he's going to do, like, a post-fade, or if he's going to take it to the rack, you know? Yeah. But um, what now in a game seven, or in a seven-game series, when he's down on the block, and you're a defender, and you've been watching the film, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, he, when he does this, he's going to do this. Yeah. Or when he's going to go to the rim... He's going to go to the rim because I know he's doing this. You know? Right. Right. So you can do that in a seven-game series, but you don't generally do that in regular season. Yeah, like, yeah. Unless, like, you really get up for the game. Yeah. I think um, also Nikola Jokic is a bit of an anomaly because he is not very athletic. And most NBA players who are superstars have some sort of athleticism. Even if it's not like, you know, you think athleticism, you think bounce and speed, but like a, um, well, I guess in a way he has like, you know, he has the strength to body people. He, he has the strength <laughs> to, um, to protect the rim. Mm. I'd, I'd say he's a rim protector, but not a paint protector. Right. So he won't keep people out of the paint. But he, he will he will meet people at the rim and try block some shots, you know. Yeah, well, I mean he's he's a tall fellow and he's a big fellow, so yeah. he can do a bit of whatnot here. And there. Um, taking it to some other young teams, like I feel like there's a very bright future ahead. And you said to me earlier whether it was, I don't think you said it on the podcast. You said that this finals was you felt like it was kind of like a passing of the torch. Oh yeah, I feel like this like we're seeing the next generation get in, integrated into the NBA and like, yeah. seeing the 
making their way up, you know, the new waves coming in, like. Yeah. We're seeing, like, the new LeBrons or some shit. Mm. Like, obviously there's the Lucas, who's going to be good for another few years. Yeah. Ja, yeah. Zion, the Cavs team. Uh, exactly, bro. Like, the... the M- the, the the young talents there and the stars are there. Like, yeah. It's just, I don't know, do we have a team back or something that gets injured? Or do we yeah, have, yeah. Do we have a Vince who, he's good for a couple of years and then after a while he's just teats? Yeah, because, like, whether or not we want to admit it, that's going to happen. Yeah. To a few, like, one or two. This is the thing is we don't know who. So. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hope to... I'm not a religious man, but I hope to God that Zion gets better and we can actually see him, like... Yeah, yeah. ...put some people on a poster. Fuck yeah. You know, injuries fucking suck. Yeah, there's something that we should really focus on because I think with healthy players, we can have the chance to see some good basketball players. Yeah. You know, and it's in the best interest of the league to try and have some healthy players but it's also in the best interest of the players if they make sure they take care of themselves yeah. condition um, get used to rest and all that type of stuff so they can get their bodies to play that, that many games mm. for sure I th- well I think obviously the, uh, I don't know if you saw it but the, there was that whole thing about potentially shortening the season yeah well I saw I saw I saw that and I saw um, was it CJ? No, nah, RJ Jefferson. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, so I saw him his um reaction to that, and he said, "You couldn't because it messed with the records. Yeah, yeah messed with yeah. all of the stats, and messed with stuff like that, bro." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough." And then he mentioned that these players should be conditioning themselves. Like the NBA is their job. They should always make sure that they should be all right for as many games as they can. And, like, yeah, you're going to get injured. But mm. you should be keeping your body as a temple so you can keep that longevity, you know? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know why they're freaking out about these seasons because COVID is obviously here. Oh, yeah, but going it. forward, COVID's not going to be here. And I think if you take away um, Al Horford... You know, situations like Al Horford missing parts of a playoff because he was in COVID protocols or shit like that, or, you know, throughout the season, guys had COVID. Like, if you take away all those, it's not going to be too much different. I think we don't need to freak out about anything. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, th- I think when it comes to stuff like that, stuff that the players can't control, Yeah. then, um, it it comes down to the league making sure that they can still offer a good experience when the players aren't in the game. Right, right. Because the league is a business at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So, but their product is good basketball. So, if, oh, I really like business too. If you, uh, <laughs> yeah. So you... Yeah, this is the side I like seeing in the NBA as well. Yeah. So, they their product is basketball, right? They want it to be the best product they can, mm. they can get. 
so they do stuff uh, they make new rules and stuff to try and make the best players yeah. out there make a good TV yeah oh, I, I love that topic and I love that topic not just in basketball but in like uh, movies and film and TV and everything like how is how is the actual soul of the game compromised because people want to make money out of it and it's like in a um in a movie when you see um product placement like for me that fully takes me out of a movie when i see like a really blatant like apple phone or like a you know coca-cola logo that's right in your face if it's not for artistic purpose like that really pisses me off and as you said like um the the league's best interest is to make basketball that sells yeah um and i think the game is actually kind of trend like i think switchability can get like cannot look that great um in terms of viewing experience i think the celtics and warriors series has been pretty good to watch but like if you take it to like a series like the nets yeah and celtics where it's the nets are just like don't have much offense and it's just mat- match up hunting. I think it comes down to whether or not the fan um, understands what good defense is or like what what they think good basketball is yeah well I think you know you gotta who who do you who do you kind of follow out yeah, and say we yeah, want to make who, who do you want to sell your product to you know like, yeah and I think the business best interest wise is um people like us we're gonna watch basketball no matter what like people who are actually really into basketball we're probably gonna keep watching basketball i think their best interest is to sell it to new people yeah new people who aren't so into basketball and if a new person is constantly seeing dunks three-pointers stuff that's exciting like they're gonna want to watch yeah Especially in the NBA, it's just all about trying to get that that casual fan engaged yeah. to make them a little bit more or less casual, you know? Yeah, well. The NBA likes to please the casual fan, I like to think. Yeah, yeah. One, of the, one another topic I want to talk about is music. Yep. Um, you mentioned to me that you're listening to a new type of music. Yeah, yeah, what so, type of me? What 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 genre is that? Mate, I honestly couldn't tell you the type of genre. Right? <laughs> Ryan asked me earlier, and I was just like, "Fuck, I don't even know." But do you know what type of genre like the Arctic Monkeys are? Not really. I haven't listened to much Arctic Monkeys, no. Yeah, bro. Like I picked it up off Jack Bill, and, yeah, and then I kind of just listened to the suggested artists on Spotify, and then yeah. Went from there and just went to listen to all their songs. It was, it was pretty, pretty good music. Yeah, I think a lot of people are getting more independent with their music taste. Like a few years ago, everyone was listening to the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with a few exceptions, obviously. But now, um, I've been branching out. You've been branching out. Ryan was listening to, fuck knows what it was the other day with him. I was in the car with him and I was like what the fuck is this it actually sounds quite good but it's you know like it's not rap and I think we saw that at Mahir like we didn't want to just listen to 
the same stuff we usually the do. The same rap. Uh, I think I think it's all about just us as people wanting to change and wanting to grow. Yeah. Um, you know, changing how we are to try better ourselves mm. and change how we feel. Because I feel like I, I, I like to think music makes us uh, makes us feel different. Yeah. Depending on how you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just people try to find better ways to feel through music. That's what yeah, I think. Yeah, that's a cool way to look at it. I think it's definitely a lot to do with independence now. Like, people people don't care as much anymore what you listen to music-wise. Yeah. And um, I don't know if people ever really cared, but back in the, you know, back in, like, year nine days, you wanted to post um the new, new louis Vert song on your instagram story yeah, so that people yeah. would see or something <laughs> um but nowadays it's like who the fuck cares about that yeah it's nowadays whenever i put a song on um, my story is kind of sad i like the song yeah 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 oh for sure but <laughs> you know one of the one of the toughest thing nowadays and i think it depends on the crowd but being on orcs being on orcs interesting one it's I see it, it, it is it, it is a tough one because you can't play just generic songs yeah but whenever you um want to like spice it up a bit play some of your own songs maybe or yeah play play some songs that not many people will have heard of but you know bangers yeah I think yeah, that's when you get a bit scared <laughs> yeah but it, it can go really bad but then it can also go really well yeah you I know? mean it creates a new mood eh, that no one ever yeah that you guys haven't had before so yeah I think when you play new songs you can like create new like memories and like really remember a new song instead of just playing old stuff over yeah it. yeah of course of course like I think that's one of the most powerful things with music is memories associated with songs. Oh, fuck yeah. Because you go, oh, yeah, I remember the song. And then yeah. you say, oh, yeah, I remember when we used to do this. Yeah, and it's like, especially when it's with mates, like, that can be so sick. Yeah, like, reminded today, bro, like, on the radio they jammed Brothers in Arms. And, like, that's an iconic song. <laughs> that was one of the best moments ever back when. Bro, Camping One. Oh, camping two. Was it camping? Oh, no, it might have been three. <laughs> it might have been camping it three. It might have been camping three. I think it was yeah. camping three. Bloody iconic moment, brothers. Yeah. And arms. And I'll never forget it. So. Let's, let's explain that. So. No, well, yeah, well, we just. Do we, kinda, do we explain we, it? Yeah, well, we kind of just chilled in, listened to the music, and just. We kind of just like. So we sat around this fire that we had set up at this camping spot, which we had been to a few times and we all sat in chairs and we're like we're kind of just like right boys let's all just be quiet and we sat there through how long is brothers in arms oh, like five minutes somewhere yeah like that. it's a relatively it's, long song yeah it's, pre- it's pretty lengthy so it was, it was just kind of means just chilling there we all just we had there. rules we had rules but we, you had to be there to understand yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> three people for dinner all time all time anything fictional anything anyone you want any character in any universe Spider-Man Snoop Dogg <laughs> um, give me 
This third one's gonna be rough. Finally, Snoop Dogg in. Ariana Grande, because she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Thanks for being on the podcast, Anzac. It was a great podcast. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me.